Good morning. Today's reading is taken from Philippians um, chapter 2, verses 19 to 30, found on page 1179. Philippians chapter 2, um, page 1179. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That I, may, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. <laughs> So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we uh, pray as we uh, look at the Bible together that you would speak it into our lives, that uh, you give us concentration, you give us um, understanding, and that as we look at these, um, these verses, that we um, were to kind of get into the, just sort of kind of hear them as the first people would have heard them and just get the principles from them for our lives, Lord, and just see what it is that you're uh, leading your people into. Just um, help us to understand, Lord, and show us the different things in our lives that this will apply to. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you remember your school days when um, someone did something really well? Um, the teacher would draw attention to it. I know... Uh, Mary has just been brilliant at always doing her homework on time this term. She's a model student. She's an example to us all. That sort of thing. Or uh, someone maybe did something special. They were fundraising for charity. And uh, the head teacher gets them up in front of the assembly and honours them and maybe gives them a prize and says, they're an example to us all. Well... Uh, Philippians, uh, this uh, letter to the uh, church that uh, was in Philippi 2,000 years ago has uh, four examples in particular that are highlighted. One we spend a lot of time already because above all the example that's highlighted is the example of Jesus. 
But there's also in this letter the example of Paul and the other two that we have here, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, Paul is kind of one of those people, you, you expect him to be on the stage getting a prize because we've all heard of him, he's an apostle. But Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're less well-known, particularly the last chap, they're not the class swats. They're not the ones that we think, oh yeah, of course they're getting honoured. They're more like us, which I think is the bridge I'm wanting to make, although Paul is also saying his example is an example for us to follow. But Timothy, Epaphroditus, the person we only hear about him here. But he's just someone who gets it. He kind of gets this whole Jesus thing and... And so he follows after Jesus in a way that makes him an example. And Paul can point to him and Timothy and say, yeah, that's it. These guys, they're really understanding what it is to be Christian. This is what it looks like. Well, the example of Jesus, it's all built on, I mean, if you look back across the column to chapter 2, verse 6, it describes what Jesus did to save us that he, in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's the foundation of it all. That's what Jesus did to save men, women, boys, girls, the human race. And those who follow after him are called in verse 5, did you see, to have the same mindset as him. And so, well, let's look at these three then. Let's look at uh, Paul and then Timothy and, and, and Epaphroditus. Because Paul, first of all, is one who practices what he preaches. He, he preaches that we should follow Jesus, and he does it. So his circumstances, he's in prison for his preaching. That would mean he's got lots of needs. He's in a Roman jail. It's not... You don't, have, you don't even have food provided in a Roman jail. If you have friends and family, they're supposed to provide it. If you don't, tough luck. And so uh, Epaphroditus, if you notice in verse 25, he's their um, messenger from Philippi. He's been sent to wherever Paul's in prison to take care of his needs. And uh, we'll come back to him in a minute because he got ill doing that. And they were all worried about him because he was so ill. And so Paul plans, he's received this help from the Philippians via Epaphroditus, but because Epaphroditus has been ill, everyone's been worried, he's saying, well, okay, I've still got needs, but I'm going to send him back. I'm going to send him back to Philippi because you were all worried about him. I don't want you to be worried about him. And he's kind of done his good kind of representing and and looking after but it's not just he's going to send back Epaphroditus if you look up to verse 20 well 19 and 22 he's going to send Timothy as well who's like a son to him now we all need friendship and companionship it's part of the way we are as human beings it's just a, a really crucial need that we all have it's one of the real challenges in our society is the rise of loneliness a lot of people stuck in who are lonely and uh, we want to do what we can as a church and as a community to, um, to be there for people. 
Paul would have depended on these friends he had around him, Epaphroditus, Timothy, others. For Paul to give them away, to send them to Philippi, was him sending away from himself, giving away the most valuable thing he could give away, which is these people who understood him, understood his mission. He he says sending Timothy will be like parting with a son. But that's what God did when he sent his son to save you, to save me, to save the world. See, Paul has the mindset of Jesus as he puts the Philippians' needs above his own. His primary concern is not his imprisonment, his suffering, his possible death, but the spiritual welfare of the Philippian church and the other churches that he's got a link with, that he's been involved in. And he gives himself a, he gives a picture of, of what it feels like uh, to, to be him in verse uh, 17, just before a bit we read this week, read it last week. He, um, he uses this picture from the Old Testament sacrificial system of a, of a cup of wine, a drink offering, being poured out ceremonially. And he's saying, that's what it feels like. I know that's, 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 what, that's what's going on for me. I, I'm being poured out on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. But he's glad and rejoices with them as that happens. You see, what he's already grasped is, is well, his kind of motto, as it were. We, we looked at this in chapter 1, it's in verse 21. He says, if you, want to, if you want kind of my motto, my personal statement, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what Paul understood. He, he understood that actually if my life gets completely poured out, so when I'm empty, well then I go to be with Jesus and I've gained everything. And so in the meantime, well for me to live is Christ. I will just, I'll keep on giving what I can. I'll, I'll, I'll pour out what he's given me, I'll trust them, there'll be enough for this life and I'll keep pouring out for others. That was the Apostle Paul. And I guess if we're thinking about examples, that puts a pretty big question in my court and in our court as a church. Do we have that kind of mindset that God's given us stuff? Are we, are we willing to pass it on, to give it to others, to serve others, or are we trying to cling on to what God's given us because we, we're worried there won't be enough? Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. I'll pour myself out because I know that there'll be enough for now and I know that I want to give because of all Christ's given me. That's Paul's example. As I say, that's a a big challenge for me. Um, I easily get comfortable in my kind of routines. Uh, That's Paul's example. Timothy had also grasped it. And as we look at uh, him, he's... um, The thing highlighted about him is the way that in a world where everyone looks out for number one, Timothy is different. Uh, Look down with me, would you, at uh, verse 20. Paul says, I've no one else like him who shows a genuine concern for your welfare. He's genuinely concerned for the Philippians. 
Well, why, why, is, why has he got that? Well, well, verse 21, everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. Timothy, you see, he's, Paul's saying, listen, he's got something. He's concerned first and foremost with Jesus Christ. And, th- and so, because of that, he's concerned about all the churches, all the people in the churches, because he cares so much about Jesus. Um, growing up, um, I remember being warned um, in a sort of proverbial wisdom kind of way, you don't want to end up being so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. And I'm sure I won't be the only person who's heard that phrase before. I know what people mean by it. They mean, don't be kind of all faffy and airy-fairy and not practical. I, I know, yeah, fair enough. If we look at verse 21, do you see the link there? The reason Timothy's different is because he's so passionate about Jesus. Actually, if we're going to be any earthly good, we need to be heavenly minded in the right way. Because then actually, if we've responded to Jesus' love, we're receiving it, we're reflecting it, we're looking at his, then we'll start to reflect it in the way we relate to other people too. So as a church, if we're going to be any earthly good, we need to have that focus. Otherwise, we'll just end up merging and blending in with the society around us and just sort of being average. It's only as we're focused on the interest of Jesus that Jesus will train us to think like he does about other people. And that's what, uh, you get this pattern here, don't you? We've already looked at uh, verse 5, the challenge there to have the same mindset as Christ. And what, what is that? Verse 4 looking not to your own interests, but the interests of others. That's what it is to be Christian properly, to know Jesus. You see, it is possible to be a Christian and to stay actually quite self-absorbed, self-obsessed, self-interested. To um, be in church, thinking primarily it's about me getting something, not me giving something. And if I've got that mindset, the self-interested mindset, well, I only ever talk to people I know already, or at least the people I like of the people I know already. I won't look out for new people. I won't be friendly to the person who happens to sit next to me that Sunday. I won't give time to someone who's discouraged. Gosh, that'll be draining, won't it? I won't sign up to uh, be involved on a Sunday or in the week. Well, that would take my time. I won't ring someone to find out how they are or pray for someone that I talk to before or after the service. I won't get to know my neighbours where I live and others in the community so that I can share Jesus with them as well. Gosh, all of those activities, they're all going to take a lot of effort, aren't they? They're going to mean sacrifice. They're going to mean inconvenience. It's going to cost me. Gosh, what about me? I hope you understand I'm dramatising there. But... I'm dramatising the way I'm tempted to think and I'm imagining the way we're all tempted to think. Because it's just very easy, isn't it? In the pressure of a busy week to basically be concerned about my interests rather than also the interests of others because we're concerned about the interests of Christ. And Now listen, let me say, you know, there will be times, there will be weeks, there will be months, even years where every time we make it through the door here We've only just made it. We're exhausted. We're feeling really down. 
And we need other people. We need a church family. That's what we are, actually. We're a church family. We're supposed to be a place we can come and get support and get help and get prayer. That's a healthy church, and, and that's, that's all good. But, but you see, as you start to lift, and even when you're feeling weak, it may be still then you've got something to offer someone else because they're feeling weak too, or the prayer you're praying for yourself, you realize, I can pray for that for them as well. And actually, there's this mindset of actually, as we give to one another, that we receive from one another, and we're a healthy family of people looking after one another. And actually, that's the whole letter. This, this partnership, this um, being fellow workers that um, Andrew was praying into, it's, 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 it's here, isn't it, in, in this letter. Um, you've got this Timothy, you've got Epaphroditus, you've got Paul together. Epaphroditus uh, is described that way, isn't he? Co-worker, verse 25, fellow soldier. You've got the three of them partnering with the Philippian church who are looking after them and, and no doubt the other churches as well. And there's this sort of sense of, as we focus on Christ, we... We try and love everybody, but particularly we look out for the other Christians and we can give and receive, and that's what we're going to do next weekend, isn't it? As Andrew prayed, that actually we've got this team of, we're trading in Michael and getting five back, and um, we get this team, a little five team, uh, little team of five, that's what I was trying to say, from Cornhill coming with us to partner with us for the weekend. To be people who are prayerfully focused on Jesus themselves and are going to help us to focus on Jesus and to invite friends, neighbours, family who are open to that to kind of come and enjoy hospitality and say, well, what about friendship for God for you? Have you thought about it? Are you open to it? What are your questions about it? you see? It's partnership, it's fellowship, it's family, it's, well, Timothy's example, I guess, is saying to us, how are we getting on with that? Have we got this focus on Jesus, on his interests, which then gives us a focus on others and the interests of others above our own? Well, let's finish with Epaphroditus, our third person here, the person who's only mentioned here in the New Testament. His name shows his background, doesn't it? If you look down to um, verse 25, have you spotted in his name who he's named after? Got it? She's a Greek goddess, Aphrodite, a sort of Marilyn Monroe, Beyonce and Angelina Jolie all rolled into one. And Epaphroditus' parents, no doubt, had dedicated him to the goddess in the hope of bringing fortune and, no doubt, love to his life. But then he met the true God and discovered an unconditional love from before he was even born and discovered the Son of God going down, 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 humbling himself even to death, to death on a cross, to save people like Epaphroditus. And as he discovered that love of God, he found the, uh, what we looked at uh, last week, this uh, picture in verses 12 and 13 
uh, he found verse 13, God at work in him. As he trusted God, God came to live in his life to work in him. And so Epaphroditus got to work in response to God's work in him. And so it is that he's described, as we've seen in verse 25, this co-worker, this fellow soldier, a man of endurance, a tough man, a loyal man in the line of fire. So much so that as he went on this mission of mercy from Philippi to Paul, he got ill. He got seriously ill. He nearly died. And if you look at what verses 29 and 30 say, he risked his life. Well, that's what soldiers do, isn't it? And he was totally genuine in his commitment. Uh, verse 26, I think, is the clue of that. Uh, look at the language that Paul talks, uses as he talks about how Epaphras feels. He longs, in verse 26, for all of you. He's distressed, not because he's ill. He's distressed because the Philippians have heard that he's ill and they're worried about him. And he's now worried that they're worried and, and they're all worried about each other and Paul's worried too. And verse, you know, he's sending, sending him, he says in verse 28... Um, so that he might have less anxiety. And it's just the, it's the language of affection and deep feeling. I'm, verse 28, uh, I'm all the more eager to send him so that you may see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So, this is the language of church family, of gospel partnership, of being fellow workers, of saying... You know, my relationship with the other people in this room, our relationship with one another, shouldn't be sort of cold, professional, like, I don't know, uh, whatever. Whatever professional relationships you have where it's kind of all boundaried and neat. That's not the relationships we're aiming for here in church. Um, it's team, it's family. It's being glad when other people are glad. It's being anxious when there are things going on that are really hard for someone else. It's, it's caring for each other. It's loving each other in response to God's love for us. So when we look at the example of Epaphroditus, risking his very life to serve Jesus, we're not supposed to think, what a nutter! We don't want to be like him! We're supposed to think, what an example. Gosh, that total commitment to Jesus and so to other people, that's how Christians are called to live. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. You see, it's only when we've got something that we're prepared in life to live for and to die for that we really have something worth living for. Perhaps you uh, have heard the story um, of uh, a British man on a train journey in the same uh, uh, part as uh, two Americans, uh, smartly dressed. And uh, during the course of this uh, train journey, um, one of the American men uh, suddenly started to, uh, his eyes glazed over and he was convulsing and having a fit. Uh, his uh, friend with him uh, loosened his collar, uh, made him comfortable and watched over him to make sure he was okay, then got from his uh, briefcase uh, some medicine uh, to give him when he came to. And the British man sitting opposite uh, watched it all and said, good job you were here and knew what to do. And the American man who uh, had helped his friend said, yeah, well I always do try to be. You see, 
Uh, we both fought uh, alongside each other in the war in Vietnam. Uh, I was uh, injured and unconscious uh, behind uh, enemy lines. I would have been a goner. But my friend hoisted me onto his shoulders and carried me uh, back to safety. In doing so, he was hit. He was wounded himself. And so now he gets these fits from time to time. So when he travels on business, I travel with him. I go with him and help him if he needs it. Wow, said the British bloke. That's quite a sacrifice. Not really. He saved my life. I owe him everything. There's nothing I now wouldn't do for him. That's the response that comes from realising that we've been saved. And even more so, the response that comes from realising we've been loved and we are loved. And when we understand the love of God for us in Jesus Christ, then if we fully understand it, we'll say with Paul, this life motto for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It makes the worship of God a, a delight and not a duty. So, three examples we've focused on. The example of Paul is, is not holding on to what God's given us, but being like that cup, that drink offering, being prepared to pour out our lives in, in God's service and for the sake of others so that they can know him too. The example of, of Timothy is being heavenly minded so that we can be some earthly good. To be a church which is saying, yeah, I, we have the interests of Jesus at heart. And so we have the interests of one another and everyone else around us as well. And Epaphroditus, I think his example is of being that soldier who's totally committed, 100% all in, prepared to risk everything for Jesus if that's what's needed. Now, I thought as I was preparing this, um, we're unlikely to face a pr imprisonment or death this week, most of us, any of us. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe I should do a brainstorm of kind of like, well, what sort of challenges are we likely to face? You know, let's kind of think kind of our lives and our circumstances. And then I thought, no, I don't think I need to do that, do I? I guess we all know for ourselves what challenges we face which of those three examples feels an encouragement to keep going in some area which of those three examples feels a challenge to change something in our thinking or the way we're living because the things we face they're actually they're actually smaller than imprisonment or likely death for following Jesus or trying to help someone it doesn't make them I mean that I don't want to belittle the challenges we face because they're big for us. And it's more that from these examples we learn the right mindset, the right approach, to what will enable us to be genuinely Christian, to be genuinely respond to the love of God, is as we're like the example of these people in the way they thought about life and their lives. This motto that Paul had, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And to know that we don't do it alone. 
so often I focus when I'm thinking about, I've just read the Bible and I just think, okay, I've got to do this. And yeah, that's right. God will challenge you and me as we read the Bible. But he's challenging us to work together, to do this like Paul and Timothy and the Philippian church did, together, to do it with the team that comes from Cornhill, together, to be partners with one another, with Christians throughout the world actually, to say let's all together do what we can to have Christ right in the centre of our lives, to put his interests first in our lives and so the interests of everyone else as well. And so the events of next week will be a lovely opportunity uh, to do that, to put it into practice as there will be personal challenges as well for each of us to take away.